so good to be with you. I'm so glad you're here on a rainy day here in the OC. We don't get many of these days, but uh, it's good to have a little bit of the rain, right? Um, right? Okay, good, good, good. Um, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts with all sincerity, our entire ministry team, for all of you that give your heart, your serving here. Um, last week, we had a special, special dinner uh, we call it our, our all-in Thanksgiving dinner, and that was just a, a thanks to everybody who serves here and volunteers their time to make Sunday morning and mission kids and student ministries happen. I don't know if you're aware, but there was uh, over 150 people that make MVCC happen every weekend. Isn't that great? So we, uh, we just want to say thank you again for all that you're doing. This is providing the seat back in front of you. If you want to just take some notes, I've, for me, whenever I listen to a message, I'm in a worship service or really want to get something from God when I just feel like, God, you're really speaking to me. When I write it down, it helps me to remember it, helps me to soak it in a little bit. And it's also a reference point. So that's there for you. And we also have the app, which you can just download even as I'm talking. You can turn off Candy Crush and you can do... Uh, you can download the app. It's MVCC app. It's free from the app store, and it has all the message notes. Hey, um, we're in a middle of a series called All In. I'm sure you know. And that was something that God really put on my heart, that um, there is no following Jesus kind of just halfway. And either we're all in or we're all out. In fact, when Jesus asked his disciples to come follow him, he was asking for 100% of who they were. He wasn't looking for anybody that had it all together because none of us do. He didn't look for those that had the most education because none of us do. He didn't look for those that had every step together with God and knew every verse out of the Old Testament. He was looking for available hearts. Are you with me? About uh, 30 plus years ago, um, I had my eye on a blonde that I wanted to date when my sister invited me to go to a Christian concert, and that was the only reason that I went. And so um, I remember sitting in a room about this size, it was about three or 400 high school students, and I had no idea that I was going to be ambushed by the love of God. I, I had no idea that God personally loved me, that he was on a pursuit of finding me, choosing me, and wanting me to say yes to him and then following him. And I'm, I'm just so glad for people that will reach out and touch other people's lives to hear about the good news of God. And maybe you're here today and just, you know, I just need more of God. I'm really glad you're here. Or maybe today you're thinking, I'm not really sure I believe all this stuff, but I'm here anyway. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope that Maybe God speaks to you about moving the needle over a little bit more and maybe some questions that you have. Or maybe you're here today, man, Mike, I am so on fire for God. God is just moving in my heart. I just want one more, one more word from God, one more touch from Jesus. I, I want to make an impact in this world. So wherever you are on the journey, I'm just going to ask one thing. You ready? That we are all in. Okay? So if you got questions, be all in on those questions. If you got hesitations, that's okay. If you're uh, following Jesus and uh, not really sure, I want you to take all steps, every step in to follow him. And we do that together. I was um, spending some time while I was uh, not feeling too well the last couple of weeks. And I had uh, been putting off watching The Chosen. 
And uh, uh, the reason that I was kind of putting it off is a lot of the Jesus movies, they're okay, they're good. But um, I'll just be honest with you, just be very real. Uh, Most of them are just kind of cheesy to me. They're just kind of not quality. I don't know how else to say it. You know, Jesus has got perfect hair and blue eyes and, you know, the wind is just perfect and he's got the shroud with no wrinkles on and he just kind of walks and talks like this in a monotone, come follow me, you know. And so um, I was kind of putting up, but I had some time. So I watched The Chosen. I absolutely, it's a series about Jesus's um, life and ministry with his disciples following him. One of the reasons I am enjoying this so much is it just shows the raw, just reality of who God is. I I am just so glad that God does not sit in some high tower waiting for us to come to him. He is down in the streets with people. You know, thousands of people follow Jesus. Even at one time, some commentators believe there was thousands, up to 5,000 people that were crowding just to follow him, touch him, listen to him, be around him. And I asked myself the question, why, why were there so many people that followed him? Was it the way that he spoke? Was it the way that he dressed? Was it that he claimed to be God in flesh? I think the first reason is because Jesus was down in the streets with people. He was just authentic. He was real. He was down with the hurts. He was down with people who had questions. He was down with people who were diseased and demon-possessed and just completely distraught in life. And so he was there with them. I think the other reason, which is what I want to talk about today, is he absolutely loved everyone right where they were. I don't find anywhere in the Bible that Jesus says, clean it up and then come follow me. I don't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus says, hey, fix your life and then I'll love you. Um, Fix a few of these things. You know, you've been off balance a little bit. Fix these things, and then I'll really pour my love into you. He loves us for free. And I think that was so captivating for the 12 men and the women that followed Jesus for three years. There's a scene that I'd like to just show us here on the screens of The Chosen. And this is a scene where Jesus is beginning his three-year in... um, Embarkment on following or following what the father told him to do and picking his disciples. There's one disciple that um, I can really identify with, and that is Peter. We're going to see in the scene here. Peter is impetuous. He's um, always kind of speaking out of turn. He just kind of says the wrong thing at the wrong, t- wrong time. He's very kind of on the emotional side of life. But I like this scene, and I'm going to show it to you here. It's just a couple minutes. I ask you to kind of just stay with it. Uh, Jesus comes up on the shoreline. And obviously there are fishermen all around. Peter is one of them. And Andrew and James and John, you're going to see here in a second. And so he asked Peter, put the net on the other side of the boat. And I love Peter's response because we're going to pick it up right here where Peter's response basically is, Jesus, are you kidding me? We've been out all night. I mean, I know that you're a teacher. You claim to be a prophet, but we've been out all night and we've caught nothing. And you want us to go out again and throw out the nets? But because you said so, I will do it. Let's watch this.
from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Can you imagine being there? I mean, it would have been awesome. But to me, the most impactful moment is when Jesus comes down to where Peter is and he looks at him in the eye and he says, come follow me. What's Peter's response? I'll do whatever you want me to do. That is all in. Is it because Peter went to a class? Is it because he saw the miracle? Of course, that helped him to see that Jesus is God. But I think in that moment, and I believe this in the text, that when Jesus looked at Peter, there was so much confirmation. Lord, away from me. I am a sinful man. And at that moment, Jesus says in his words, in his context, Simon, I love you. That's why I follow him. 
I follow him because he loves me, right? At MVCC, we want to be known. So what is it about these people? It wasn't so much the building. It wasn't the structure. It wasn't the, you know, the context of five different uh, acres that we have here. And I'm so grateful that we have that. It was these people love everyone right where they are because God does. That's what I want to talk about today. I want you to have your your Bibles open and ready. We're going to get to Luke 10. But before we get that, I want to look at just a couple of scriptures about the incredible love of God. And here's my prayer. Here's my heart. As I want every single one of us today in the next 20 minutes left that we have, I really want us to have an eye-to-eye, knee-to-knee, open receptivity. God is madly in love with you. And our response to that is, I'm all in. I'm all in, whatever you want me to do. Amen? Let's look at this text. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, no one has ever seen God physically. No one has ever seen Jesus, right? Here in our context, of course, they saw him there on the earth when he was there 2,000 years ago. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Let's look at 1 John 4, 16. And we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And of course, one more. 1 Corinthians 13. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body and I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. I love that context. I love that text because it's so easy a child could understand this. Love God and love people. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 10. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. There's an attorney that comes up. He's well-educated, comes up to Jesus. I do not believe in this context. A lot of people asking Jesus questions. Some followed because of the miracles. Some followed because they uh, wanted to see something. Just crowds around him. And there's one well-educated person. Uh, We'll just say he went to Harvard. He went to Princeton. He went to Yale. He was in law school. He also was in study of religious law. I mean, this guy was top-notch. Everybody knew who he was. He stood out in a crowd because of his incredible knowledge and his education. And I believe he asked the question of Jesus, not sincerely, but I think he wanted to entrap Jesus. I think he wanted to find fault. I think he wanted to find some pinhole in Jesus's teaching that he could tear open so that he could discredit the good news of the gospel. You with me? So one day an expert in the law, this is Luke 10, 25, in religious law stood up to test Jesus. You see how it comes out here? He didn't stand up to sincerely ask the question. He stood up to test him by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, ah, I know that one from my youth. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. Because if I was one of the 12 disciples, which we don't know exactly how many were there. There could have been others there. But if I was peering over the shoulder of Jesus watching this happen... I would put my hands in my shroud and I would kind of shrug my shoulders and I would tilt my head to the right and say, you got to be kidding me. You're asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? You know what this is. This is something that the Jewish people recite three times a day. This is from birth. They would teach this Shema. They would teach this holy prayer and they would have to recite this. Everybody knows what this means. He asked the question, who is my neighbor? I believe to test Jesus and find out a way to discredit him, right? And Jesus' answer is so golden. I love, I love Jesus' response. Let's continue on here. Now, before I read it, I just want to tell you what my response would be. Are you kidding me? You went to Hebrew school. You went to Jewish school. You memorized the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, the Pentateuch. You know all the verses. You know Moses, Abraham, David, all the greats. And you don't know this? You came from the most educated schools. How come you don't know this? Of course, that's not the way Jesus, Jesus never belittled anybody, did it? Even when someone was in opposition against him, he loved them. You with me? So verse 30, so Jesus replies this way with a story. So a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along And when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan, despised Samaritan, came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper the two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who attacked, was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, Well, (laughs) the one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. We really don't need to expound on this, do we? This is so simple, right? This is what Christianity is. This is what Christians are. This is who Jesus was. But for the sake of the fact that You're probably like me. There's sometimes I don't feel like God really loves me. Anyway, by the way, there is no such thing as a good Samaritan in this text, in this context. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. This went back to this war way, way back in the Old Testament where the Assyrians overrun the Jews and they intermarried and had all these uh, problems and all kinds of confusion. And so these Samaritans were half Jewish and half Gentile. So this was a constant bickering, constant racism against these two tribes. And so Jesus comes up with this story. I love Jesus's style because Jesus's style says this, love God and love people. 
right? If you get these two right, you get the whole thing right. These two things are the basis of what following Jesus meant. I don't think when Peter in the scene of the chosen, when he was chosen by Jesus and he he fell to his knees, of course, out of humility and out of the fact that he understood that he was standing before the Messiah, God himself, not fully really understanding all of that. In his sinful state, understanding that he was just a man, a human man who had just blown it, I don't think he really understood everything that Jesus was going to call him to. So the question I have in this is that Jesus gives two commands, right? Love God and love people. So here's my question. Okay, I understand that, love God. But how do I really love God? I can't see him. I can't feel him. I can't touch him. He's, I know that he's in heaven and I know that Jesus is in my heart. How do I really love God? Well, out of all the years of following Jesus, this is what I'm learning about loving him more. And I hope this helps. Because what we're talking about being all in is love. Love is the key for following Jesus. And so here Jesus says, I want you to love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. What he's asking is for us to be all in with him. The more I see, here's the key. The more I see how he loves me, that helps me to fall freshly in love with him. Does does that make sense? When... um, I was in fifth grade. I was, no, no, I was, I think, fourth or fifth grade. Doesn't matter. I was uh, at Castile School. And I remember her name was Shelly McKenna. So um, just the names are this not made up to not protect the innocent. Okay? And uh, I saw her in class. And I remember I liked her. She was cute. When I walked past, you know, up to where the teacher was, I could smell her perfume. I just, I liked her. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to be her boyfriend. I wanted us to get together. And so I went through my mom's jewelry and I um, found a plastic bracelet. And so I had it in my pocket um, going to school one day. And I remember that at recess, we were playing four square uh, handball. Remember that game? And so every time the ball got hit to me, I would hit it to Shelly. Every time I would hit it back to Shelly every time because I wanted her to know that I really liked her. And then at the end of the game, I gave her this plastic light blue plastic bracelet. And I was all in. I had like put everything into this because she was going to like be my wife someday. And we were going to get married, you know, the whole deal. You're in fifth grade. You, know, have the, you have all these experiences, you know, all that infatuation, all those feelings. She was not all in. She didn't want anything to do with me. But the point of all that is when I know how Jesus loves me more than anything else and all my failures, all of my broken dreams, all of my brokenness, all of my heartache, all of my times that I've run away from God, all the times that I have not lived up to what I ought to be, I've not lived up to what Jesus wanted me to be in all those moments, you know, on your very best day, God loves you. And on your very worst day, God loves you. That's just a fact. And the more that we can see how he loves us personally, then I want to fall in love with him. 
I know Jesus commanded us to love him and to love others. I get that. But I don't want to just love because I have to. I want to love because I want to. Does that make sense? And the way that we want to is we let Jesus into our heart. Well, I did that, you know, when I was a kid, I went to church all my life and, you know, this might be your story and you gave your heart to Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful. Or, you know, I just gave my life to Jesus like six months ago and it's been the most amazing things. That's wonderful. Whatever journey, wherever you are, maybe you're here today and I haven't really done that. I don't really understand how God can love me. I don't really get that. I just want you to know that wherever you are on the spectrum, that God loves you right where you are. And if there's one thing, one thing that God wants us to get today, I believe that is the core of everything because that engages my heart to fall freshly in love with him. And if you're like me, sometimes I feel like God's disgusted with me, angry with me, distant from me, or just, 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 just disheartened with me. But that's not really the way it is because the Bible says something different. In Ephesians chapter one, if you have your Bibles, you don't have to turn there, but I just wanna make reference to three things really quick for the sake of time that I want so much for us to engage in because as a church family, as a community here, I want us to be so in love with him, so in love with God. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's going on in your life right now, I want you to know that he is so madly in love with you. He is in a hot pursuit of you and he wants your whole heart. He wants all in. And so this is what God says about you personally. If Jesus were to have a knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye, toe-to-toe conversation on the shoreline like he did with Peter, if he was to kneel down and look into your eye, here's what he would say. You, I have chosen you. I have chosen you. I have loved you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. How do we know that? Because Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, you and I are chosen. You know, when I read verses like that, I think, well, maybe we're all chosen. God chose the church or he chose the whole world. And there is a context of that that's true. But I want you to know today that God has personally, I want you to be reminded, God has chosen you. Why? Because he loves you. And what's our response? I will do whatever you want. Because why? I love you back. Maybe, maybe this one, maybe this one will help. We are now part of God's family. Maybe you're here this morning and think, I don't even know what a family is. Are you kidding me? If you knew the family that I grew up in, it wasn't even family. I don't know what it means to have a nurturing father or a nurturing mother, or there was always strife in the house or drug abuse or problems or just issues or this dysfunction beyond even what we could even imagine. And I want you to know that God Reminds us today out of Ephesians chapter one, I have adopted you into my, you are my family. You are my brother. You are my sister. Third thing that Jesus would say to us, I believe, is that we are his inheritance. We are his inheritance. You know, we do a lot to plan for one day when we'll all leave this earth because the fact is one out of one will die. We're all gonna leave, right? Right? And we can't take anything with us. So we do a lot of work and rightly so to make sure that the things that we have, we wanna make sure they're passed on to the right people in our life that we love. We do a lot of things, stocks and 401ks and all. And that's really good. That's great. But what about our spiritual inheritance? Here's, here's what Jesus says. 
And of all the things that God has done in 66 books of the Bible, from Old Testament all the way to New Testament, here's what he gets. At the end of the day, his inheritance is you. It's me. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like a big deal. But to God, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. You are his. You are his child. You've been chosen. You've been called by him. And now you are his inheritance. And he is looking forward to that. He doesn't say, oh, man, I get Mike. Gosh, can't believe it. Or man, oh, gee, whiz, you know, I get Dave. I get Pastor Brian. Yeah, I guess I'll take him. He is so madly in love with you. He can't wait to be with you for eternity. If God had a big refrigerator in heaven, he'd be sticking your picture all over the refrigerator. That's how much he loves you. And he's looking forward to the day that he will be with you forever and ever for all of eternity. So when you and I have had a true encounter with him, I'm not just, yeah, not just about knowing all the right stuff. That, that's important to understand, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Son of God. But when we truly have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you'll never go back. We may have times that we fall, but we'll never go back to the understanding that God is madly in love with you. What about Peter's life? Peter had no idea in that moment on the shoreline when he caught all those fish and saw that miracle and Jesus standing on the shoreline and got knee to knee, eye to eye with Peter. He had no idea that in three years he was gonna use Peter to share the very first good news message with thousands of people in Jerusalem in that very city that he would take them to many, many times. And he would stand before Peter after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter would stand before thousands of people And say, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. We just saw him die 30 days ago. And he was the son of God. He came to save you. And the people said, brothers, what shall we do? What do we do now? We understand that we've broken God's heart. We have just destroyed the son of God. We've crucified him. We didn't stand up for him. And Jesus through Peter speaks through him through the mighty power of the Holy Spirit and says, every single one of you repent of your sins, get baptized and follow Jesus Christ. And that's it. Peter didn't do those things because he had to do them. Peter didn't do those things because he was instructed to do them. Peter did those things and you and I do what we do. I, I'm, hope, I'm in such hope that we do what we do for Jesus because we love him. It's not because we have to. It's not church because we should go. We ought to go. It's I want to go to services because why? It's opportunity to worship this incredible God who loves me. It, it, why do I serve God on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or here at MVCC, the 150 plus people that do? Why do we do what we do? Because we love him, because we realize who we are before God and his perfection. He loves me. I am his inheritance. God has chosen me. I want to do these things. It's not have to. I feel so sorry for people who are like, God, I have to do this, or I should do that, or I ought to do that. I shouldn't smoke and shouldn't drink too much alcohol and shouldn't sleep around and I ought to not do this. I don't want to do those things, Lord, because I love you so much and I trust that that your word is the best for my life. He wants a group of people that are revived. God wants the spirit of God to wake us up to the fact that loving Jesus, loving God is first and foremost and primary. That is the passion of our heart. It is the passion of our church is to follow him and following him means I'm madly in love with him. And even though I may not feel always in love, uh, my heart is engaged with loving him. 
Jesus says to the disciples, if you love me, you will obey me. So it's not just feelings. It's not just emotions, although I believe that's part of that. But he says, if you really love me, making the tough decisions, when you really want to go into that sin, when you really want to go into that dark place, when you really want to go into that place that you know is displeasing to God, and you say, I really feel this pull. I really feel like I want to do this. It's a quick fix. But then Jesus comes into your life, and he says, no, I have something so much better. But here's the mark of a follower, willing to do what we know is right, regardless of how we feel about it. That's following Jesus. That's all in. It's that that relative that drives you nuts that you continue to love them. Why? Not because you feel it, because you know that love is patient and kind. And I choose to do these things. Why? Because I'm in love with him. Jesus never crossed the line of compromise, did he? Jesus never crossed the line of, well, we just love everybody and let everybody just do whatever they want to do. I think that's one of the dangers, I think, when we hear about just love everybody. Of course, we are to love everyone, but that doesn't just mean everything goes. Jesus had truth. Jesus was love and truth, right? Jesus had standards. Jesus had the rule. He had word of God. The word of God gives us freedom to follow him so we are able to stay out of trouble. And I think sometimes where we get caught in the church is just, well, just love everybody and let everybody do what they want to do in the church. If you want to do this behavior or this type of sin, it's okay. Just do whatever you want to do because we got to love everybody. There's a way to share love, but never compromise. And some people, the truth is, brothers and sisters, some people won't like that, but that's okay. The word of God is absolutely true, isn't it? Isn't it? And so my question to us is, are we all in? Some of you might remember a guy years ago that uh, was part of our church family for about, oh, maybe about 12 or 15 years. His name was Russell Long. Remember Russell? He used to sit in the front row here every Sunday morning that he could be here. This guy was a character. He just made you laugh. He talked with this Mark Twain kind of Twain kind of a expression. He just, he just loved everybody. He had all these jokes and storytelling, all that. Just loved hanging around this guy. Well, he was in AA here on campus years and years ago and uh, got sober and he decided, you know, I think I should come to church here. So he shows up on one Sunday. Within a few Sundays, he gives his life to Jesus Christ. He just says, I'm all in. I'm just going to give my life to Jesus. He got baptized here and he's on his way following Jesus. Well, about, uh, I don't know, about six months into it, he says, Pastor Mike, he says, uh, I, I want you to come down and see my boat. I said, see your boat? You got a boat? He says, yeah, I got a boat down at Dana Point. Got a slip in there and everything. Just got to come down and see it. I said, I would love to come down to your boat, man. So he invited me down. It was a Friday. I think it was maybe four or five o'clock. You know, sun was starting to set. And he shows me around the dock and shows me his boat. Really cool. I mean, just really, really cool. And um, so as we're sitting around, I said, so tell me about this place. Like, how often do you come down here? And what do people do? And, you know, sailing. And what's it like going out there on the ocean and sailing? Because I never really have have done that. And he says, you know what's interesting, Pastor Mike? He says, "Um, there's people that come out here every Friday. And the first group of people, they come and they have a boat and they sit in the dock and they drink wine and eat cheese and crackers and they kick up their shoes off their feet and they just relax and stay overnight on their boat and they just stay right in the dock. And someone asks them as they go into work Monday morning, so what'd you do this weekend? Oh, we went sailing. 
And then there's a second group of people that I know that they will pull their boat out of the dock and they'll just kind of putt-putt around the harbor, but they'll never go out past the jetty. And they bring their boat back into the dock. And what did you guys do this weekend? Oh, we went sailing. But then there's the third group of people. These people take their boat out into the waters where it's windy and it's choppy and you got to put the sails up and you got to know what you're doing and you got to have a crew and you got to have your wind at the set. You got to know what you're doing. Is it dangerous? Yeah, sometimes. Is there pressure? Yeah, sometimes. Is it fun? Uh Uh-huh. Will we experience power? Oh yeah. Will we see miracles and supernatural out there on the high seas? Uh Uh-huh. Why? Because we ventured to go out on the high seas. So some people ask those group of people, so what'd you guys do on the weekend? Oh, we went sailing. So here's the question I have. What group of people really went sailing? Right, the ones that went past the jetty where it's a little scary. It's untethered, not really sure, but we felt the wind in our face. We felt the spray of the water. We saw the dolphins that swam right up next to our boat. We got to see the sunset. It was hard work. Our hands are rough, pulling the sails in, and we're back in the dock. Which one of those groups really went sailing? So, you know, I thought about this passage as I wind this down, is that loving people is what Jesus called sailing. Some of us, and you know who you are, and I include myself in this, I just want to sit in the dock, sip my wine, eat my cracker, and watch everybody else. Some of us here today, we go out in the harbor, put, 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 a little bit, venture out just a little bit. But some of us are here, who are here, we are out past the jetty. We are on the high seas. Here's, here's what, as, you're, as one of the pastors here to help encourage you and put the, 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 the ropes into your hands so that you can do the sailing, that's part of our job as pastors is to help you to find the joy of really, really means to go sailing. I thought, no, nah, that doesn't work. If you're in your boat and I come up and untie your boat, it's much better if you decide you know what, I think it's time that we untie and we venture out. So what does that mean in closing? What does it mean to just slowly come up, untie the rope that you're tethered to, maybe at the dock? Number one is this, to understand he commands us to love. Love has no loopholes. We love does it mean I have to be in right, always in relationship with you because I have to love you? Not necessarily. Some relationships are what we call toxic. They're not healthy. So it doesn't mean we have to be in relationship with someone to love them. It just means that we can choose to be loving towards them. Why? Not because, oh, I guess I should. I guess I have to. Why? Because Jesus loves me so much on my best day and my worst day. And I am so in love with him, God. I want to follow you. And I want, like Peter said, whatever you want me to do. So I will choose to love that person. I will choose to love my ex. I don't have an ex, but if I had had an ex, I would love that ex. And that's doing the right thing, even though I want to take their head off. 
Someone at work that you just can't stand working with, they're always after you, they're always after your position, they're always looking behind your back, wanting to catch you in something. Is it the right thing for a believer to be kind and loving and serving that person even though you wanna take their head off? You just wanna pinch their head like a little grape. Yes, we are called to do the loving thing. Why? Because he loves us and we love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love everybody around you. Number two is this, ask God to give you a mentor that loves well. Here's here's what I'm learning. In my most darkest moments, in my moments of crisis, in the moment when I feel like I can't go on, sometimes I need Jesus with skin on. And that's why God gave us one another, one another. I've been watching service online now for the last three weeks. It's cool, I love it, great presentation, the quality. I can actually see what's going on. I can hear it. I can follow it. It's just, there's really a quality level. We have an amazing team who put that together. And that's necessary because online living is just where the world is now. But I will share this. After doing that for three weeks, it's just not the same as being here. And that's not to say that we shouldn't ever watch online. I'm just saying, I think it's not a good thing to substitute well, I'll just stay home and watch it online. It's just not the same as being together. If I don't see you and you don't see me, we can't encourage one another, right? So we need mentors. Now, this doesn't mean you have to pick up someone and go, hey, um, you know, you seem like you're really a loving person. I I just want to follow you and just kind of learn from you. I I have people that are mentors and they don't even know that they're my mentors, but I'm watching them just the way that they love people well. Okay, number three is this, to act on opportunities to love everyone. I changed it from look for opportunities because there's opportunities everywhere. We see them. The reality is, am I gonna keep my boat in the harbor? Am I gonna keep my boat in the slip? Or am I gonna go out to the ocean and love people and act on what Jesus told me to do? Spend time talking to my neighbor. Spend time talking to that person at work. Spend time talking to someone on the phone who just can't stand family members that you don't wanna be around or whatever. God calls us to love the unlovely. So what does he ask us to do? Love, do good, bless someone, encourage, serve, honor. All these things that God tells us to compliment someone, spur one another on to love and good deeds, admonish one another, accept one another, carry one another's burdens. When someone's hurting, get into their hurt. Let them know you're praying for them. Walk with them. Forgive one another. There's no loophole in forgiveness. There is no such thing as a Christian who says, well, I'm just not willing to forgive. I'm not going to forgive that person. It doesn't work. Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. That's pretty, that's pretty truthful. That means we are commanded to forgive. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. And why do we forgive? Because we love God. We love him. People who are all in, all in. The 12, Peter, James, John. This scene, if we had time for it to go on and on and on. Matthew standing by watching all of this. All 12 of these men were called by God and except for Judas himself and John, who died a natural death. Every single one of them went to a martyr's death. Why did they do that? 30, 40 years after Jesus had already left earth and where he's at now at the right hand of the father, why would these men give up their life and die for what they believed in? It wasn't so much for what they believed in, it's whom they believed in. Peter, when he was crucified, He asked before they crucified him, would you please crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. Andrew, Peter's brother, who's the one that brought Peter to Jesus, 
went to a land of man-eaters, he was killed for his faith. Thomas, who I don't call doubting Thomas because we all doubt. I call him honest Thomas because he was willing to be honest. Jesus, I don't really believe that you're standing in this room with me, but I got a lot of questions, just like all of us. He preached, preached to the reaches of India and he was pierced by four soldiers with spears. Nathaniel was a business entrepreneur, was burned alive. Philip, who questioned Jesus a lot, matter of fact type of person, traveled to North Africa and Asia preaching the good news of God. He was arrested and brutally murdered. Matthew, the IRS man, right? Stabbed to death because he would not stop advancing the mission of God. Bartholomew, who was named trustworthy by God, was skinned alive and beheaded. James, son of Alphaeus, sailed to Syria. Josephus, historian, wrote these words about him that he was stoned and clubbed to death. Simon, the other Simon, who was in politics, was killed for his faith. Unfortunately, Judas didn't seek the forgiveness of God and he took his own life. Matthias burned alive at the stake and beheaded. John was the only one on the island of Patmos who died of a natural death. Why do I bring those up? Not to bore us, not to be morbid, not to make us feel guilty, but to say if these men were willing and some of the women were willing to die for who they believed in, that tells me this, they were all in. And Jesus told us there was a crown of glory that is awaiting for those, not who were perfect, but for those who are faithful. So my question is, do you know him? Do you know his love? Do you know that he loves you without limits? And if you don't know today for sure, I wanna invite you in to receive him into your life. And it's as simple as saying, like we saw on the screen, Lord, I'm a sinful person. I've been wrong. Will you forgive me? At MVCC, one of my passions is that we are just extremely real and authentic. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. None of us do, but we're trying. And I invite you to come and follow him with us as we try together. If you are a believer here, if you're a follower of Christ, I wanna encourage you to not just love people and love God because you have to, but let some of this sink in because you want to. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.